We're doing it. Yay. First podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first one. And we are going to be asking each other questions for you guys to get to know us better and for us to get to know each other better. Yes. I think that we know a lot, <laughs> but there's definitely more. Yeah. So we'll see what deep. happens. Deep, deep. 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 We'll see what happens. Cool. Well, we both grew up in New York City. We sure did. And I want to know what it was like for you. So I grew up downtown and my parents were divorced from a very, very young age. So I have no recollection of them ever being together. And my childhood was spent just bouncing back and forth. And I think that I had a very unique situation. I think this is going to be news to you. My parents live in the same building. Oh, that is interesting. To this day. So they met in the 70s in New York. They both moved into the building they still live in now. It was a converted cardboard factory. And they were the first residents in the building. And my mom was very interested in renting a space. She's a weaver. She does textiles and she wanted a lot of space for her loom and for living and for working. And she had a friend who she asked to come look at the building with her who was like, yes, you need to do it. I want a floor. And then this friend of hers was dating my father who, and she asked him to come and look at a floor. My dad also does construction. So not only was she like asking him to come look at the building and to see if it was okay, but also like, what would you do? How would you go about renovating this to like a livable space? And he was like, I want a floor. I love it. So they moved into this building in the late seventies and they've both been there since. And when they got married, they both lived in my dad's apartment. And then when they got divorced, they separated and my mom went back to her floor, which she had continued to use as a studio space and under the impression that we would just be there temporarily. And 20 plus years later, (laughs) here we are. Um, So it was very interesting. I think that, you know, growing up downtown in the 90s was very different from what it is now. Mm It was not as popping. Nope. Um, it was not as densely populated. And it was just, you know, it was my childhood. I didn't think anything of it, you know. Um, but I just, I really remember that time as kind of like bouncing back and forth between mom and dad. And I just remember also being a little embarrassed embarrassed of my situation because I had friends whose parents weren't together but I had a very unique situation in the sense that they were so close yeah and even though the time that I had with my dad and my mom was very separate like I could walk upstairs if I needed something from my mom I could walk downstairs if I needed something from my dad so I think that divorce very much painted the picture of my childhood in New York and not so much being in New York. Right. Just because that's what it was. But I think, you know, like, I, I don't know. I think that everyone, when you ask what it was like growing up in New York City, your response is the same as if you ask someone who grew up in the suburbs what it was like growing right. up outside of New York City. Like, you did the same things. Yeah. And I think that, you know... There's not much... There's not that much that's a difference. Right. Like, similar. I did the same things. I did soccer. 
I tried ballet very short. <laughs> I had very very short lived ballet career, but I think that it all like boils down to being a kid. Yeah, and the family aspect and yeah. how that affects us yeah. as we develop and grow. Absolutely. So what was it like for you growing up in New York City? So my dad was born and raised in Israel, and he moved here in his like when he was like eighteen. And he met my mom, who was babysitting for his cousin, and she was born and raised in Jamaica Estates in Queens. So, your they, mom, yeah, my mom. And so they met when my dad was picking up a suitcase from his cousin's house, and my mom happened to be babysitting. <laughs> and they start dating, um, and then they eventually got married. How old were they? They're in their late twenties when they got married. Okay. And then, um, shortly after, my older brother, by four years, was born, Adam. So we grew up in Forest Hills for about a year or so. And then we moved to Bayside, Queens, where we've kind of been ever since. Um, So it was interesting growing up with my parents, because my dad is um, an only child, and he was born and raised in Israel, so that's a totally different lifestyle. And my mom is one of three kids with, you know, her parents weren't the most loving and accepting. So I think that really shaped her childhood and the way that she wanted to parent brother and I. Um, so it was an interesting, you know, time growing up in Queens. We, as you said, like, we did the same thing. We had basketball. We had t-ball. I did ballet for a very short period of time, too. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly wasn't our thing. No. Um... But it was interesting, like, navigating which parent to go to for certain things where my dad was more lenient about things and my mom maybe understood how certain things would affect me um, because of her experiences growing up in the same area where my dad was not getting those experiences. Um, So it was interesting, and obviously having an older brother compared to you as an only child... as an adopted only child. Yeah, so, like... It'll be very interesting when we dive into siblings and yep. how that affects us growing up because I have got a none lot of that. <laughs> yeah, and I have a lot to share. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my experience growing up in good old Queens. Wow. Yeah. We did it. Go us. <laughs> we, we survived. <laughs> Yay. Uh, so what was your early childhood experience like? Do you remember your preschool years? Um. Preschool, I know I went to preschool at the temple that we used to go to. Mm-hmm. and um, We are both Jewish, by the way. We are both Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't remember preschool very well at all, um, but I did hop around to many different schools. My dad is an engineer, but my mom is a teacher. So being a teacher, she kind of understood ratios in the classroom and what it would be like for me as, an, as a young learner in a classroom of, like, 30-something children. Like, that wouldn't have been the best for me. So I actually bounced around to about four elementary schools. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that affected me with making (laughs) friends and feeling settled. And probably is why I'm a little anxious. Just a little. Um, Just a little. Um, And then I went to only one middle school, so go me. And high schools because I didn't feel like the high school that I started off in for freshman year was very um 
supportive. It didn't really challenge me. It didn't seem to provide me with an education that would help me when I went to college. Um, and then I went to a few colleges, too, because none of them seemed to fit what I wanted. <laughs> so I bounced around a lot. And your undergrad career was not as seamless as you were hoping it to be. No. But in the end, I found... I went to Queens College in mm-hmm. the end, and I really loved it. I made some good friends, and I loved the program and the advisors. So you graduated with your BA from Queens College? Yes. In Infant and Family Studies. Yay. So many... So many schools. So many schools. And I'm okay. You came out out unscathed. (laughs) Sort of. (laughs) You know, for the most part, which we'll dive into eventually. Yeah. And what about you? What was your early childhood experience? I went to a private progressive preschool. It was called Children's Aid. And I started there at three, I believe. Um, I was there for a couple of years, and I mean, I felt very lucky in the sense that I went with friends that I had from babyhood. Right, that's nice. I mean, like, three is young, and, like, you don't typically have friends for very long at the age of three, but um, as we mentioned, I am an only child. I am an adopted only child, and I feel... Very lucky in the sense that my mom had some really good friends who just so happened to have girls the same year. So lucky. So I kind of grew up with this cohort of people who I was just forced to get along with and luckily love. (laughs) (laughs) And a couple of them went to preschool with me. So it wasn't, I don't remember it being anything but fun. Like I, (laughs) I mean, I don't remember much, but I was there with a really good friend for both of my years. And I think that was really important to me to have someone there who I had a pre-existing relationship with. I think it must, I mean, it must have made the transition into school way easier than if I was just like going in Mm -hmm. without having any connections with any of my peers. So, I mean, I don't remember anything but play and fun although my friend Juliet who I went to preschool with might have other things to say apparently I'm (laughs) very bossy in the kitchen and I had a way of doing things but I you know I must have blocked that out because I do not remember but we'll have to have her on to to tell us yes oh we will (laughs) I'm sure she has a lot to say um but then I went to I was in public and I was in a district three school I went to PS3 from fifth Uh, from kindergarten through fifth and again it was a good experience I came out with a couple of really good friends and my mom is also an educator but she was teaching at Parsons during that time and at Sarah Lawrence so much higher education than elementary (laughs) just a little um and then I ended up going to another district three middle school public school and same for high school. And I think that in retrospect, they probably could have done with a little bit of a less traditional mm-hmm. approach to mm-hmm. education. I didn't thrive yeah. um, in New York City public schools, at least in the end. I think elementary school was great. Middle school, for the most part, was really great. I think high school, I definitely struggled. I mean, who doesn't true. struggle in very, high school? Um, but it's interesting because I went to undergrad and I I had a good time. I had a good experience. I studied sociology with a concentration in social work. So I graduated with my BA in social and certificate in social work. And 
it was a great experience. I definitely struggled a little bit. I had to take some time off. I collectively took two semesters off. As most people do. (laughs) As most people do. I took my first semester of my sophomore year off just to gather myself and figure out what my next steps were. I entered as as undeclared and Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was going to do and it just, I needed some time. And then my last semester of senior year, I took off because I was done. (laughs) I had been in a classroom. I was in lecture halls. I needed a break. And I ended up running away to Nepal for a couple of months where I volunteered at an orphanage. And it was an amazing experience. And I came back, finished up that degree, and went right back to Nepal for a couple (laughs) of months and volunteered at the same orphanage. And, I mean, it was, I think that it happened exactly as it should have. Mm -hmm. Um, But in hindsight, I think that if I had realized what was causing so many of the problems that I was having in high school and in undergrad, I think the types of schools I was attending probably would have changed. Yeah, I think that's an interesting perspective. I I agree. I think that if knowing who I am now, if I could go back and find different schools that would have fit the way I wanted to learn, I think. I would have been a different person in the end. Yeah. Obviously happy with who I am. How I turned out. <laughs> I mean, but you turned out great. Thank you, too. Thank you. I will say also, it's interesting to hear my parents are also divorced, but unlike you, my parents got divorced very recently, and I'm 29. <laughs> so it's, it'll be very interesting to hear how not only did our education at a young age affect us, but how having divorce in both of our families, but at very different ages affected us yeah I yeah and I think that I don't know I think that my mom definitely did 90% of the child raising (laughs) um and that's just what it was I mean I spent a lot of time with my dad growing up my dad is old my both of my parents are artists And my dad got a teaching job in France when I was young, teaching art at an American school in this tiny little town called Um Lacoste, which is outside of Provence in the south of France. And so I like that was something that stood out a lot for me as a child is Mm -hmm. visiting him there. Um, Must have also been hard. It was hard. I mean, I remember the day he left it was I guess his flight I mean I was six I guess the flight was in the middle of the day and he brought me to school like it was a normal day yeah and he said goodbye and god bless my first grade (laughs) teacher because he was like straight out of college (laughs) and he's dealt with this kid who like and to each my own like I was fairly even tempered as like a first grader and I was in hysterics which Um, makes complete sense it makes sense But, like, I was saying goodbye to my dad for this chunk of time, and, like, it wasn't necessarily definite, and especially, like, as a six-year-old, you don't have this, like, this concrete sense of time, and, like, how, like, I was going to go visit him in X amount of weeks, like, who, like, what is that? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of unknowns, so I, like, that, it wasn't a large chunk of my childhood, but that definitely stands out, and then, I mean, as I grew up I just spent more and more time with my mom and again they were in the same building but 
I just eventually completely moved my crap into my mom's house and, like, <laughs> was there all the time. Yeah. I think starting from middle school. Right. Yeah. So, like, I didn't sleep so, at my dad's at all. Right. That's a long time. It's a long time. And, like, it just became, I just started spending less and less time with him. And he is a very big part of my life now and was throughout my childhood. But, you know, I just have a very different type of relationship with my mother. Um, but yeah, no, I think divorce very much played a part of that. Like I, I'm very much my, I don't want to say my mother's child because I definitely have a lot (laughs) of my father's traits. Um, but I'm definitely the product of her upbringing, hard work. Yeah. Yeah. She worked really hard. Yeah. I think that it, yeah. Going back to what you said about your mom doing most of the work, like my mom being a teacher did a lot of the work. If I needed a tutor. She was on it. Like, my dad obviously was there. He was extremely supportive, mm-hmm. always taking us to school, picking us up, helping in ways that he could. But in terms of, like, the education and the development, that was my mom. You know, yeah. she was like, I know the ratios. I know what's best for you. Teacher-wise, I know that this school is not going to provide you with what you need. So we're going to switch, and hopefully that'll be great for you. And, yeah, it's very interesting, the parent dynamics brown development it's very interesting but we did it yeah like we're here we came out somewhat unscathed (laughs) we both went to a great graduate program you're right well soon to be you but i (laughs) i have officially graduated from bing street congratulations thank you thank you thank you and you're wrapping up your time at bing street that seems so far away but we're working on it we're almost there almost there yeah yeah so why did you choose Street. Why did I choose? Okay. Or do you want to go back a little bit and explain why you went into teaching? Maybe that's a good place to start. Okay. (laughs) Why did I? Why did I go? It was a complete accident. (laughs) Um. So as I mentioned, I went to UMass with the intention of working in adoption. As I mentioned, I'm adopted. Um. I was adopted domestically. Um. And. You know, I feel very lucky in the sense that my adoptive parents have been in my life for as long as I can remember. So I know that's a very unique case and not the circumstance for everyone. And um, I don't know. And I, I had a lot of... There was a lot of big feelings, <laughs> for lack of a better word, surrounding my adoption as mm-hmm. a kid. I think that I had a lot of unresolved, I don't want to say issues, but lack mm-hmm. for a better term, issues yeah. surrounding my adoption and what that meant. Yeah. I grew up always knowing I was adopted. It was very important for my parents to tell me very young that I was adopted. How, how early did you find I, out? I cannot remember a time when I did not know I was adopted. So pretty early. So very early. Yeah. Like, yeah. as long as, like, they thought that I could somewhat process information, right. I was being told. Got it. Um, which I think is incredibly special and important. Um, but I definitely think it took, a, it took a toll. And, I mean, everyone has their own shit, right? <laughs> like, yeah. like, like, that just was a part of mine. Yeah. Um, so I kind of had this 
intention of working in adoption after I graduated, specifically international adoption, which is why I had my stints in Nepal and I was like trying to like get my feet wet and see what that would be like. I mean, if there was a job where I could make money doing the type of work I was doing volunteering, I I, like that would be great, but that doesn't Doesn't necessarily exist exist, or at least I haven't found it. Um, but I knew that I wanted to work with young children, like young children under the age of four specifically. Um, and I, again, feel very lucky in the sense that my mom is an educator, again, higher educator, but she knows people in the world of education in New York. And she has a close friend who helped me get an interview at this like amazingly lovely private progressive preschool on the Upper West Side. Um, and right before I went to Nepal for my second stint, I had an interview the day before and I got the job and I flew out the next day and I came back and I started. Wow. And it it was great. Um, but it was just supposed to be temporary. I had just graduated. I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to be like for the summer. It was a year round program, early childhood. So it was just to figure out what the next step was going to be while I got my bearings and I ended up falling in love and there ended up being an opening for the next school year (laughs) in a twos threes room so I stayed yep yep. and then I stayed another year (laughs) how it goes (laughs) um and then I was there for about three years and I it was just time for me to move on and I realized how in love with it I was and I was like okay I think it's teaching and I think it's teaching really young children yeah and my preschool teachers were all Bang Street. So and that, that shapes you. That it really shapes you. And, like, that yeah. was m- the teachers who I were learning from, I was teaching at, were all Bank Street. And there was some, like, I knew that if I was going to go to school and get my master's in education, it had to be from Bank Street. Right. Not only because I felt like I was learning so much from the people who had been in Bank Street and the product of, like, their education their philosophy and their philosophies but also just i am all for progressive education and i feel like that no matter where you are bang shoot is the mecca for progressive education and i feel very lucky that i was literally in my back door backyard back door (laughs) out my back door in my backyard um close proximity it's close it was very close is the point right (laughs) and it was just time for me to move on it was time for me to start thinking about school and so I left, went to a Montessori for a year while I gathered myself and applied yeah. to grad school, and I feel very lucky to have gotten in, and I started last year. Yay! Yay. And you're and the almost done. I'm almost done. It's so I'm exciting. like a year out from being done, and it's good. Yeah. So I'm studying infancy. That's yeah. I love the itty bitties. Yeah, I Under know. Under three is where it's at. And you're amazing with them. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. So, teaching yeah well was as that I've, the plan yeah as i said about a thousand times <laughs> my mom is an elementary school teacher <laughs> does she teach so when i was in elementary school so when she first started she taught fourth grade for a very very long time okay and she loved it loved it loved it and i would go to her school at such a young age and i loved being there i loved roaming the halls every teacher knew me like that was my home like that was my my safe haven and I wished, and I think this goes back to, you know, going to 10,000 schools when I was younger. I always wished I went there. Like, that was the school that I wanted to go to. 
because I felt safe, obviously. Right. <laughs> um, and so I was, you know, I grew up around all these teachers. Some of them would pick me up from school. At, you know, some of them I babysat for when I got old enough. I went out with them, you know, for dinner. So, like, this was my family. Right. And I grew up around them, and I loved what they were doing. So, yeah, from day one, if you asked me what I was going to do when I grew up, it was going to be teaching. And I went to undergrad for teaching. I went to Bank Street for infant and family development and <laughs> early, <laughs> intervention. <laughs> early intervention <laughs> and early childhood general and special education. It's a mouthful. It's a huge mouthful. I never get it right. I think I did okay. Um, but as you said, like, if you're going into education, especially with the young ones, and especially if you love the idea about progressive education, which I think we both are just drawn to. Yes. You go to Bank Street. You go to Bank Street. It wasn't really a question. It was like, what's the best place? Bank Street. I'm applying. I'm going. I'm going to graduate from there. And did you go to Bank Street right after undergrad? I think. Did you apply to Bank Street while you were still in undergrad? No. No. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. I definitely took, I think, the summer to, like, breathe. Like, congrats for me for graduating. <laughs> like, take that in. And then it was like, okay, now you know you want to teach. I think right. in undergrad, I was like, am I just doing this because it's all I know? Or do I love it? And it wound up being that I just, I loved it. I loved babysitting with these kids. I loved going and volunteering places. So I just, I had to go. And then in my first year at Bing Street, I got an email from an advisor saying a school on the Upper West Side was hiring and needed an assistant. And I jumped on that and I got that job and it was a progressive play-based preschool and I learned a lot especially from my coworkers. What age group are you working with? My first year I worked with twos as an assistant. Mm -hmm. My second year I was twos assistant in the morning and then in the afternoon I was with three-year-olds. So you don't do a full day? Yeah. Yeah, which was interesting because you get to see a lot of different ages, mm -hmm. but it's also a little hard because the days are shorter with each, with each group, so right. you don't get to know them as much. You know, you're working on building these strong relationships, and they take a little bit longer. Um, and then in my third year at this school, I became a lead teacher for the threes class. And this was after you had graduated from Bank Street? Almost. Halfway through that year. So I got that lead position in September and then in December I graduated from Bank Street. Okay. And I was able to move up and also become, you know, a teacher and curriculum coordinator and I was able to work with the staff and help dun, them. Dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> and I loved it. I loved being able to go into all the classrooms, meet all the children, meet all the parents and just build even more relationships. And that's how we met. That's how we met. So after I did my stint at Montessori, uh, like, which again, I went into that year expecting for it to be a year, right? Like it right. Was, I, I wasn't fully on board with Montessori philosophy. Mm -hmm. Um, it was located very close to my mom's, so it would have been an easy commute. And I looked at it as a year for me to get my bearings, to apply to school, and I got into school. Yay. COVID hits. Yeah. A lot of unknowns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, and yep, yep. I just, like, shoot my shot, and I apply to some schools, and I hear back from this lovely play-based progressive preschool on the Upper West Side where Andy Hi. here <laughs> just happens to be the teacher liaison. That's me. Um, and I started in the fall 
of 2020. Yep. Wow. As a lead teacher in a twos, threes room. Yeah. For two morning classes and one p.m. class. Right. Two morning classes and a p.m. class. So the way that our program did it, they had, depending on age, Mm -hmm. you either went to school in the mornings, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So from 8.30 to 11.30, the they were three. Yeah. They were like young threes. Yeah, young threes. Would be in school half day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then the twos, young twos, children who had just turned to like in August, September. Little Little, little itty bitties. <laughs> they were in school um, from, again, 830 to 1130, mm-hmm. but two days a week instead yeah. of three. And then there was a PM option as well. And I got a mixed age group in that. PM. So on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I had a group of lovely kids come from, you know, 115 to 345-ish. Yeah. And I mean, I think that if you're looking at it from a developmental standpoint, you think for a two-year-old, that seems right. Like, do you want to be sending your two-year-old to school for a full day, five days right. a week? Like, I think that's a lot. Um, Two-year-olds are still babies they're still yeah they're learning a lot um so i had been coming from programs where we're pushing full days for children that age so you know it was very refreshing in the beginning to see that like they were doing things which in my eyes you know which is someone who had only been in the world of early childhood like for so many years seemed developmentally appropriate um, and then working in it, I was like, this isn't enough time. <laughs> it never feels like enough It never time. felt like enough, not only for the kids, but for me. Yeah. You know, you love these kids. Like, they grow on you so quickly. And, you know, six hours, nine hours a week just does not seem like it. enough. Yeah. Just, you know, for them and for me to get my fix. Yeah. I feel like as educators, too, you want to, like, give them your all. And you're giving them your all in very small doses. But if you get them yeah. for a longer period of time, you really, like, early on you're building that strong relationship. And from there, it just, it explodes. And it's also, like, you're developing relationships in a much different way when you're seeing children so infrequently. Yeah. Like, even though a lot of schools, most schools, most early childhood programs, especially progressive, like, Reggio Inspire programs... Um, do phase in Mm -hmm. and they're easing their child into the school year it's you know it's really difficult when you're not seeing them every day and although it takes time for children to not only familiarize themselves with you but with the environment and the classroom and all the other people who are just going to be popping in and out like it felt very long and it felt like it took a while for them to settle in a way that I was not used to. Yeah, you wanted it to be a little bit faster. I Not that I wanted it to be a little bit faster, but I felt like that it, it just would have, like, naturally would have been faster. Like, right. there are some groups of kids who just don't settle until halfway through the year, <laughs> the whole year, and yeah, that's, yeah, just the, that's just the group that you're dealt. But, um, I, like, for me, it felt like it was a loss in a way to not have them yeah all day every day and I felt like there was a lot about my children that I wasn't learning about until Mm -hmm. later because of how little time I was spending with them yeah um but I mean every program has their own way of doing things and 
I think that there are definite positives to every way that a program decides to set up their schedule yeah. and to set up their days, especially for the little ones. Like, it's right. really tricky when you're talking about twos. It, yeah, it's a, and you're, we're talking about parents who, whether it's their first child or their fourth or whatever number, you know, the child right. falls onto, it's still a, a little child. It's your baby. It's a baby. <laughs> and you don't know what type of learner they are. Yeah. They're still developing their brains and developing their personalities. And although you have maybe a good sense as to who they are, you also want to make sure that you're finding the right school for them. And that can be tricky. But at the end of the day, my kids are amazing. All of my kids in every program that I have taught in (laughs) has been great. And I you fall in love with all of them. Yeah. And no matter what type of learner they'll end up being in five, ten years, they benefit from the experiences that they have. Right. Whether that's in a progressive environment, whether that's in a Montessori environment. Like They are benefiting from their time spent at school. Yeah. And it's important. It's very important, especially, you know, building this foundation for education. Education is a privilege. It's It's a a privilege. Big, big privilege. Especially at this age. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, you don't get it everywhere. Not every child has access to it. And for those that do, we're just trying to make sure that we support them and guide them and give them a nice, solid foundation for them to grow and be whoever they want to be like I want to give them as much of a as positive Mm -hmm. foundation as possible so that they have a good image and idea of what school is so that they can go into their classrooms next year the year after and know that that is their space and that they have ownership and they have a voice and they you know that's it's they are there to learn and you need to give them the tools in order to think that way yeah and like i that's very valuable well said (laughs) thanks i i tried it's been an interesting year also because i typically parents would be able to come into the classroom and so you're not only building a relationship with the students but you're building a relationship with these parents and it's a it was very different this year, really separating the two. And I feel like I definitely missed being able to chat with parents during drop-off and, you know, pick-up. And it was just a little bit of a disconnect, which is every school. But it was it was definitely... It was a COVID year. Yeah. And it was a very interesting way of going through a year, building a relationship with the children while not necessarily having a relationship with parents. And I think that... Again, like we both went to Bank Street for infant and family development. So much of what I'm studying and what you studied is how do we build those relationships with families and how do we build strong home to school connections? And I think this year, a lot of that was definitely lost and it was hard. Yeah, it was hard, but we did it. We did it. And the kids did it. Yes. And I think that, you know, reflecting on this past school year, I feel like we did an amazing job for what the circumstances were. And I think that, you know, I'm very happy with how my children have developed. I think that a big thing for me this year was, 
you know, honing in on self-confidence. And I think that my kids will leave, you know, knowing that they can be who they are, they have their opinions, and they shouldn't be afraid to share them while respecting others and being kind to friends and the community. Which is so funny because I think that the biggest thing that I wanted to instill in my children this year was recognizing feelings yeah and being able to explain their emotions right in a way that allowed for other people whether that were their friends their mm-hmm. peers their classmates their teachers their parents their family mother whoever it was to be able to like help them we often forget how much children pick up yeah and it was just as much of a confusing time for them as it was for us, even if this was their first time in school and they didn't think that it was weird to be wearing a mask to school because yeah. they had never been to school before. Like, it's weird. Yeah, that this was This year norm. was weird. Yeah. It's their norm, and it's such a double-ended sword because it's like, do you not address it because it's right. something they have never known? Or do you say, this isn't what it really is going to be like? Right. Usually you can Give see Give it a couple smile. years. Exactly. Um, but I think, you know, we definitely have come a long way. I have a group of incredibly emotionally intelligent <laughs> kids. And yeah. they can share their feelings yeah. for a very long time. And I will sit back and listen and yep. soak it up and see. But, you know, I think that we both have a lot to learn from this year. Yeah, I agree. And I do just want to share one story to touch on how much these children are able to express how they're feeling one day when I was in your room for a morning <laughs> meeting. You guys had asked me how I was feeling. And I said, you know, today I'm feeling a little upside down. And one of your kids was like, hmm. I'm feeling right side up. Yeah. And, like, he was able to explain what that meant And this is a three-year-old. Yeah, a three-year-old. New three. Yeah, and I just sat back and I was like, that was well said. Yeah. You are three, you're able to express yourself and share how you're feeling and why, and I think that's such a big takeaway from this year. Yeah. And I think that if they can go into their next year, whether that's at the same program or somewhere else, and just be kind yeah. And listen and be able to be empathetic. Right. That's what That's the world all needs. That kindness, matters. empathy. And <laughs> more kindness. <laughs> Just a lot of kindness. A lot of kindness. Shit's hard right now. It's not easy. It's not easy. Which we'll dive into all the topics. All of the things. You guys are going to go deep with us. Yeah. Before we end. Yes. Should we... Um, share our first impressions of each other. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, I think. Okay, so, so as we mentioned, we met at the program that we were at this past year. Mm-hmm. And Andy was the teacher liaison. So a lot of the communication that happened before I even started um, was taking place with her. Um, and I also just remember... My first day, I was walking into a new environment. It was very clear right off the bat that there were a lot of very strong friendships in place. (laughs) None at all. Um, And I felt like the newbie (laughs) for sure. But 
a thing you should know about me is that I am not very shy. No, no, no. And if I have questions, I'm going to ask. Sure will. So even though I was a little intimidated, not only by, you know, like I think that when you're corresponding with someone at a new job, like you automatically think of them as being like one up. If that makes sense. Like, and I knew that you had this role and I, I was kind of looking at you as someone above me, like air quote, wasn't entirely sure about your role, but I knew that you were a little bit more than just like a lead teacher. And so I was very cautious about how I was around you for a very short time, for a very, very (laughs) short time. But I was definitely a little intimidated. And I think that, you know, just like you would be intimidated going into a new workplace and talking to a supervisor or yeah. a boss like it's just like you're trying to be on your best behavior again air quotes like, <laughs> which, which again I don't know how long that lasted yeah. but as I said like I'm not shy so I very quickly realized that Andy was the person who I felt comfortable with asking questions lucky me so many questions <laughs> question after question after question I reached out to you before we even met saying welcome it was very nice. You were I <laughs> you were nice. Yeah, I was pretty nice. I emailed saying, "Welcome. Um please let me know if you have any questions." And boy did I regret that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, hey, I had a lot of them. I'm just kidding. I loved it. Or right, you have more? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that again, like I felt like an outsider and it I think it took a while for me to feel like I had Like, I had found my place in this new environment, and it didn't take very long, but again, like, I think that it was, it it all fit very well, so even though in the beginning I was a little intimidated, it, that quickly dissipated, and I think that, you know, I've very much forced myself on you guys, and you guys didn't have a choice but to welcome me with open arms. Yeah, and we we love you. Obviously, I'm speaking on behalf of everyone. Everyone. Now, I guess. <laughs> um, it's yeah. Well, also before I share my impression of you, I will say our school is also very very small. It's very tiny. So there were a lot of people who had strong friendships. Yeah. Also, we're coming back from being quarantined. Yeah. So we hadn't seen each other since you know March 2019. So, yeah. like, coming back, we obviously, you know, had it on the phone, but... 2020. 2020, you were right. March 2020. Yes. But coming back, like, those relationships were obviously very strong, right. and they, like, came in full force, and something that I always try to do is make sure that whoever is new feels accepted and not just pushed to the side, because mm-hmm. we are all very loud. <laughs> um, so, you know, when when I first met you, I emailed you hearing that you were a new twos person and twos are hard that's twos like are hard but i love them I, I know people think twos are hard but i think fours are hard i think oh that's so are hard. interesting interesting well we'll get into that right anyway <laughs> um and so i reached out to you and i felt pretty good about your response and most people when i say like ask questions they don't which is fine but <laughs> you came in the first day and i was sitting at the front desk and i was doing some work and I went into your classroom, and I just remember you were working on something. You were you had your computer open, you had music on, and you were just so busy. And I was like, ooh, she's a hard worker. Like, she's going to do her job. And I was like, I have no idea how she is with the kids or anything. <laughs> but we'll get to that. I could have been a psychopath. <laughs> you could have been a psychopath. Um, but you looked like a really hard worker and that you cared a lot. And you also were working with two assistants who I 
love dearly. Yeah, and they love each other. Yeah. They love each other. Yeah. So I was a little protective of them, too, because I was like, this new person's coming in. She better be good. <laughs> um, but then I just remember also phasing, and you were just fucking amazing with the kids. I mean, brand new school, all new parents for you, new kids. I mean, like, we knew some of the kids because of their siblings. Mm-hmm. But then also, I just remember... I think it was, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the first two weeks of Faison, you sitting in your classroom, in your classroom, there's a loft, and there's a child's sofa, <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember you on the phone calling every parent. It was my talk. office. It was your little <laughs> office, but you called every single parent to talk about how their child was during Faison, and like, what you noticed, and it was just so clear that it was so individualized, and I was like, she's got this. Like, she's got this down packed. There is no need for anyone to worry. My friends are in good hands. She's going to be amazing. And then you started asking questions every single day. And then you were over it. And then I was like, oh my gosh. But also I loved it because I love when people ask questions because that's how you learn. Yeah. And now here we are. Here we are. So I don't know if I ever actually answered the question. I don't know either, but that's okay. <laughs> Just to summarize, I was a little intimidated at first, but clearly not intimidated enough to keep my mouth shut (laughs) and to not approach you yeah like it was I think that very quickly I I I mean I don't think I felt comfortable yeah yeah it was very clear and I think that it's also a testament to you thank you because it's hard yeah because not only are you juggling this role but you're also dealing with your own kids and you have your own class and you have your own assistants and you have your own things happening and you made me feel very welcome very quickly. And I think that the turning point for me, which I think was way before the turning point for you, <laughs> which is why I was asking so many questions so early. Mm-hmm. Um, I went in a couple of times before the start of school. Yeah. And because of COVID and regulations, there we weren't mandated like, or required, I guess mm-hmm. is a better word, to be in the school yeah. that much before the start date. Yeah. And I just ha- felt like I needed to be there even when we weren't supposed to be or, like, even when it wasn't required that we yeah, were like there. Yeah, like, you were one of the teachers that just came Right, in. like, I needed to get stuff done. Yeah. Like, I need to get cutting done, laminate, you know, like, the things yeah. that just need to get done. And I remember I was, like, sitting on my floor, <laughs> whereas, which is where I am most comfortable. <laughs> Although you do have a stool that you like to perch on. I do like to perch, lie. but if I'm not perching, I am right. on the floor, <laughs> lying down. There is no in-between. Yeah. Um... And I remember you coming in, sitting on a table, being like, what's going on? Like, how are you doing? And oh, I was like... I don't even remember that. Yeah. I remember you were wearing something purple. I don't remember. Oh, I had purple pants. It was your purple <laughs> pants. You were wearing purple pants. And I remember you sitting down being like, just checking in. How are you doing? Oh, and I was so like... Nice. Yeah, it was so <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I was just like... I wasn't being very honest. Right. Because I didn't know you very well. Yeah. But, like, I, I remembered that and... I felt very comforted by that. Like, even though I wasn't very honest, because if I was, I'd been like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, right. which this is also huge imposter like, syndrome. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I, that, for me, was very nice knowing that even, like, because, again, I didn't know you. Yeah. I don't know if you're yeah. very fake nice. Like, right. <laughs> like, at least someone was, like, putting the effort to either be nice nice or fake nice. Right. And <laughs> I appreciated that, because I did, I was, like, I felt like, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, we'll get into that, too, in another episode, but it's, there's just, there's a lot that goes into teaching. A lot. There is a lot that goes into teaching, and it's nice to have a buddy. 
It is. Okay. It's, it's been a hard year. It's been a hard year. And again, things we'll all go into. Yeah. But. We don't want to overwhelm us. No. But I think that somewhere along the way, mm-hmm. we got close. <laughs> just a little close. Just a little close. And so we just came <laughs> together and kind of were talking about like what we wanted to do next. And we just kind of. I think we're just curious. Yeah, we're curious. We want to learn more. I think we're just constantly trying to grow our brains and learn yeah. more about development and talk to people about it. We want to start this podcast and interview and just... anyone and everyone. Have these conversations. Yeah. I learned a lot about you. I know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So it'll be interesting to see what we find out, but... But this is a cool journey for us to be on together. I'm really excited. I'm really excited, too. We'll see what happens. Yeah. And so will you. I know. Oh, my gosh. This is so cool. Okay. Well, that's it for today. Good Um, job. Make sure to like, subscribe, and follow to our new podcast. It's going to be the number one. Minds with Andy and Annabelle. The number one podcast somewhere. world of (laughs) (laughs) of education. (laughs) All righty. Bye! Bye! Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.